I know what some of you are thinking, as I was. Boy, I wish I could sing like that. (laughs) Amen. Hang on, you will. You will. When we all get to heaven, what a day that's going to be. We're going to sing like Stacy, you and me. Amen. (laughs) Sing like the angels. Thank you, Stacy Wolf. Woo! That's powerful. That's powerful. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Had a great week this week with BBS. I got back from the Southern Baptist Convention on Thursday. We're here for our family nights. I want to thank all the workers for VBS, Miss Tammy, and all of her team. Thank you so much. And it's been a great week. And I bring you greetings from the Southern Baptist Convention in Dallas. Got a new president, J.D. Greer. Steve Gaines done an excellent job the past two years. The convention went well. It's in good hands. And uh, I thank God for the Southern Baptist Convention. We're part of that. We're not governed by the Southern Baptist Convention. We're an autonomous church. We have a pastor and staff. We're led. But we're part by choice of the Southern Baptist Convention. So pray for that entity that we have, uh, 47,000 churches all over the United States, part of the Southern Baptist Convention. So pray for us that we'll continue to baptize and, and help people get to heaven, right? That's the goal. All right, I want to say a happy Father's Day to all the dads here today. Happy Father's Day. This is a day that we celebrate like we did Mother's Day. We just don't celebrate it as much, right? But anyway, we're celebrating Father's Day. We don't get all the gifts and all the cards. We're macho. We don't need all of that. Right. Yeah, okay, anyway, we don't have to have it, but we like it. Anyway, but I got a great card from my wife already. Uh, I won't share that with you. I share a lot of things. You know, I haven't shared about me having a roach in my cup, right? Embarrass my wife to no end. Anyway, but uh, a lot of things us dads do that we probably shouldn't do. But I want to say thank you for all the dads. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7, Blessed is a man who walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. You're an example, Dad, to your children and to your household. And so we are an example. So I want to recognize all of our dads today. I know, again, this is kind of a touchy thing when you have Mother's Day and Father's Day. My dad passed away four years ago. He's in heaven today. He's celebrating. He's totally healed, celebrating the Lord. I do miss him. I miss my dad. I miss my brother also, my brother and his family. I was texting them today. This is their first Father's Day without their dad. And so it's a difficult time for them, as may be for some of you. But we're celebrating Father's Day. I'm glad I'm a dad, all right? I'm glad I'm a dad. So let's all stand in reverence to our dads today, and let's just celebrate our dads today. Amen? All of you stand up. Come on, all of you. Great to be a dad. Amen? All right, dad. Happy Father's Day. Only one thing better than being a dad, that's being a granddad. Can I get a witness? <laughs> all right. Well, speaking about dad, just to kind of have a light moment here. I want to, you know, there's a lot of dads here today who are like me, rednecks. I mean, anybody tell about a roach in your coffee is a redneck, right? And uh, we got kicked out of the trailer court when I was little, uh, kind of a redneck. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of dads here today that are like, probably like me and rednecks, or maybe you wouldn't admit it, but you are, okay? But uh, uh, you might be a redneck if you can entertain yourself with a fly swatter. You might be a redneck if your boat has not left the driveway in the past 15 years. (laughs) You might be a redneck if you have the local taxidermist on your speed dial. 
Or you might be a redneck when you come back from the dump with more stuff than you took. <laughs> oh, yeah. You might be a redneck if you have a can of Raid on your kitchen table. <laughs> oh, listen to this one. You might be a redneck if your wife can climb a tree faster than your cat. <laughs> You might be a redneck if you keep flea and tick soap in the shower. <laughs> Some of you dads do that, right? You might be a redneck if you consider your license plate personalized because your daddy made it. <laughs> oh, boy, that's a redneck right there. <laughs> you might even be a redneck if you have a complete set of salad bowls, and on the side of them, they say Cool Whip. <laughs> you might be a redneck if your working TV sits on the top of your non-working TV. <laughs> that is a redneck. And then you might be a redneck if you missed a sixth grade graduation because you were on jury duty. <laughs> and here's my favorite, the last one. You might be a redneck if you take your dog for a walk and you both use the same tree. Can I get a witness? <laughs> oh, happy Father's Day, guys. <laughs> now, let's get serious. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. <laughs> it's good to laugh, isn't it? You know, I love church. I love to worship. Man, great worship this morning. I love my connect group. Wayne White taught this morning. And him and David Lefford been teaching in there. I like attending connect group. I do that, by the way, at 9 o'clock. And so I would encourage you, if you don't have a connect group, get in one. Because they also have care groups in there. We minister to you that way. So you need to be in a connect group. So I've had a great time already. Had guys come and pray over me and with me for our service today. Had a baptism already at church. So I'm having a good time at church and then got to tell a few jokes. That's always good, isn't it? And so now I want to preach. And I've been preparing in Revelation. I hope you've been reading, doing a lot of reading, a lot of research in these messages. And so I'm looking forward to today's message. I'm going to talk to you today about the throne room of heaven. The throne room of heaven. Now, in chapter 4, Revelation and chapter 5 kind of go together. They're one unit together because... When we get to chapter 6 through chapter 19, it's going to be tough. We're talking about the tribulation period, the terrible judgment that God's pouring out on planet Earth. You know, we don't talk about the wrath of God. We don't talk about the judgment of God. But for several weeks, we're going to talk about the tribulation in chapter 6 to chapter 19, about the coming terrible judgment of the tribulation of God. But before we get there, the next two weeks, today and next week, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the throne room of God. What's going on in heaven? What's happening up there? And we get a picture of that. John, through Christ and through the anointing power and the Spirit of God, John gives us a first row seat into the throne room of heaven in chapter 4. It's going to be awesome when you look at it. We're going to talk about it today. And so I'm excited about that. And so as we look at this, we've talked about the seven churches. And so chapter 3 ended the apostolic church age. And so you don't hear about the church anymore to Revelation chapter 21. 
Because now we're talking about heaven, what's in heaven. John's looking into heaven, getting the throne room, seeing the throne room of heaven. And so the church age has ended, and now it's time for the rapture. Amen? I'm excited about the rapture. We'll talk about that today as well in the throne room of heaven. And so as we look at this text today, uh, we're looking at coming attractions, uh, what's happening on earth from a heavenly perspective. And that's what this is about. John's up in hell, or John's caught up in the spirit, and God's showing him the throne room of heaven, and they're looking at what's going to happen on earth in chapter 6 through 19, the tribulation period. So we're looking at the view of earth from a heavenly perspective. What John saw. All right? And so let's look in chapter 4, look in verse number 1. Watch this. After these things. Now, what does that mean? After these things is referring back to chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the church age. So after the church age, after these things, John said, what happened? I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. The door of heaven, if you will. And the first voice I heard was like a trumpet. It was speaking with me. And it said, I love this, come on up here. Told John, God said, come on up here. And look what happened. And I will show you things which must take place after this. Now, what does after this mean? I believe it means the rapture. This is what's going to happen after the church is raptured up. After these things, the church age is in the church age. And then after this, he's speaking there about after the church is raptured up. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But that's the scene. That's the setting. That's what's happening. And John is caught up in the Spirit, as we'll see in verse 2. He's caught up in the Spirit of God. And he's entering to the throne room of heaven where God's on the throne and Jesus is at the right hand of God. Now, there's a lot of different scholars that believe two, there's two thrones. I believe there's one throne. I believe we're going to see the person of Jesus Christ on the throne. The Bible said when he was uh, ascended back into heaven, he was at the, the throne room, the right hand of the Father. And so we don't actually see God, but we see the glory of God, but we see Christ who is the image of God. Made in his image, right? Or, or he is the God in, in the flesh, all right? Now, look at this. He, he's given us the promise in uh, chapter 3. Remember that? Chapter 3 in verse 10. We're not going to go through the hour of trial. So the church is going to be raptured. I'm a tree, pre-trib, pre-tribulation. And so I believe we're going to be raptured as a church before the tribulation period happens. And so I believe that's what he meant in verse 10, chapter 3, about we're not going to go through the hour of trial. All right? The hour of condemnation of God's judgment on planet Earth. Church will be raptured up. Now, the key verse, as I talked from the outset, outset of this series, the key verse is in Revelations 1, verse 19. I won't read it to you. You don't have to turn there. I want you to just listen and watch chapter 4. Here's what it says. Revelations 1, 19. Write these things, John, which you have seen, and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. And so he's speaking to chapter 6 through 19 after the rapture of the church, after the church age. And so there, once again, is a key verse of Scripture. All right? Now, again, chapter 4 and chapter 5 go together. Now, chapter 4, John's going to talk about God, the Creator. 
He's going to talk about God the Father, the Creator God. Now, when we get next week, next Sunday, when we talk about chapter 5, he's speaking about God the Son. He's looking at the Son of God, and we'll be talking about the Lamb of God next Sunday. We just sang about it. We'll reference today, but the next, chapter 5 is all about God the Son. Chapter 4 is all about God, Creator, the Father, okay? And so those two go together. So the central focus is on the Father in chapter 4. Chapter 5 of Revelation, the central focus is on the Son of God, the Lamb of God. We'll talk about next week. Now, here's a great truth in your outline. You got your outline? I hope you're taking notes because I'm going to give you some scripture that's not in the day's outline, okay? So you need to take notes. After the rapture of the church, all attention in heaven will be centered upon the throne of God. After the rapture of the church, as we're caught up into heaven, all, look, watch this, all attention will center on God, if you will, the Father, in the throne room of heaven in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to give you some information here. Let's read verse number 2. Watch verse 2. Immediately, John said, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one, capital O, that means God, and one sat on that throne. So we're looking in the throne room of heaven. We see God on the throne, if you will, in the glory, the Shekinah glory of God. And then Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father we'll talk about next week. Now, the word throne is mentioned 14 times just in chapter 4. So the word throne is mentioned 14 times alone in chapter 4. It's a key word in the Bible. It's mentioned 46 times in Revelations. Just in the book of Revelation, the word throne is mentioned. So there must be significance about the throne of God and him being on the throne. What it really means is this. And listen very carefully. You ever heard this? God's on the throne. Right? You know what that means? God's on the throne. It means it's nothing, all this chaos we're watching about ISIS and all this stuff, these earthquakes and all these things that's going on in the world. Yes, we're concerned about that, but get this, he's on the throne. Whatever you're dealing with today, whatever circumstance, whatever situation you're going through today, I promise you, he's on the throne. He hadn't left it. He's not forsaken you. He never will. He's always on the throne. So when something happens, maybe this week or maybe today or next week, just say to yourself, God's on the throne. God's on the throne. When I hear a lot of rhetoric, all of that stuff, I'm telling Patsy, God's on the throne. When I'm watching Fox News, God's on the throne. Amen? He's on the throne. He's on the throne. And John has given us a front row seat into the throne room of heaven. Amen and amen. He's caught up in the Spirit. Now, that's very significant when you talk about visions. Now, I want you to be very careful here. There's been a lot of Hollywood and a lot of money written in books about people who've gone up into heaven. The Bible says there's only one who ascended from heaven and went back, and that's Jesus. Right? Now, I don't know about these people that saw a light and saw this. You know, some of these have already been counterfeited. They've been found out, made a lot of money on a book. I went to heaven and saw Aunt Susie and all of this, made a lot of money, made a movie about it. Be very careful what you listen to and what you believe about that. Because I'm telling you, there's one on the throne. 
in heaven, Jesus Christ descended from heaven and ascended back to heaven, and now he's interceding for you because he is on the throne. Amen? And so, we only have record of a few who went up into heaven in a spiritual connotation like like John did. We have the Apostle Paul. You remember the Apostle Paul? He had visions in heaven. God let him look into heaven. And he did. And we can look at this in uh, chapter 12 of uh, 2 Corinthians. So turn there just for a moment. I'm going to give you a few scriptures I want you to find in your Bible or mark them or write on your outline. That's the way you do this. If you can't find it, you know, like I used to when I first got saved, the pastor would say, turn to 2 Timothy when he got through and said, amen. I said, I found it. I couldn't find anything. It was so frustrating to me. And then somebody told me how to put tabs on the end of your Bible. And all. It's for cell phones, all right? And so uh, put tabs on the end of your Bible. I began to learn to find the books of the Bible. So if you can't find it, write it down. But I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to give you these visions. Paul had a vision. God allowed him to look into heaven. Isaiah had a vision into heaven. And Ezekiel had a vision into heaven. As John. Those are the only four, really, that we have record of in the Bible that really got to just look into heaven. The Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, they got to see Moses and, and Enoch, uh, Elijah, I mean, so they got to see that. But these are the ones I want to show you today, very quickly, because it's really significant of what John saw. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look in verse 1. The doubtless it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast, Paul says. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't really know. All I know is I went up there. I was caught up into heaven, into the third heaven. That would be the throne room of God, all right? There's three heavens Paul mentions, the firmament, the universe, the stellar universe, and then the place where God is. And he said the third heaven. And verse 3, and I know such a man. He's speaking of himself here, by the way. He's speaking of himself. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body. See, John got caught up in the spirit, and probably the same thing happened to Paul. And he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. All I know that God knows. <laughs> verse 4, he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul experienced the throne room of heaven. God allowed him in a vision to see into heaven. And matter of fact, in Paul's, Paul's vision, he couldn't even talk about it. It was so unbelievable or so impressionable. It, he couldn't even er, have the words, the vocabulary to utter what he had seen. Now we have other visions. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Turn to Isaiah, back in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah. And look in Isaiah chapter 6. And watch this vision. Isaiah chapter 6. And let's look in verses 1 through 3. All right, Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1 through 3. In the year of King Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord... Sitting on a, say it with me, throne. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now, he's probably speaking here, when it says Lord, he's probably speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a Christophany. Now, when he speaks of God, it's a theophany. Okay? But it's either one, it's a Christophany, probably speaking of the Lord. It could be speaking of God or, or a theophany. 
but the appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament is called a Christophany. All right? The appearance of God is called a Theo. Theo means God, a Theophany. So he's seeing in the heaven, Isaiah is. Watch this. He's seen in the throne room of God. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I believe he's having a Christophany looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, watch this. Above it stood seraphim. Seraphim and cherubim, the same. They're angels. But uh, seraphim means fire. All right? And so this is one of the angels that took the fiery coals and all that. Watch this, verse 2. And it stood, and, and above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And we're talking about the same thing that, that John saw in the throne room of heaven. And one cried to another. Watch this, because John's going to give us the same thing. Watch this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen? What are we going to do in heaven? I promise you we're going to worship. We're going to worship him as they're worshiping even today in heaven, singing, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. Now, that's Isaiah's vision. Now I want you to see Ezekiel's vision. So turn with me in Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. Turn to the right. Go by Isaiah and Jeremiah. And you'll come to the other prophet by the name of Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, let me give you some homework. If you really want to talk about the throne room of heaven, John gives us an insight, but you need to read Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm telling you, I read the whole chapter a couple of times. If you read Ezekiel chapter 1, it gives you a picture of heaven and these four living creatures we're going to talk about today. So that's the way you study the Bible. You just can't just read one passage. You've got to go back to the Old Testament because it gives us forward to the New Testament. And so Ezekiel had almost the same vision that John had, and so did Isaiah. And Paul probably did. We just don't know. He couldn't even talk about it. Now watch this. Look in Ezekiel chapter 1. This is very, very interesting to me. Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, I want to read verses 3 through 10. Start with verse number 3. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, as a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud was raging fire, engulfing itself. And the brightness was all around it. By the way, some people say, well, I, I, I was died for a few minutes and I saw this great light. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. That's between them and God or whatever. But I'm telling you, it is a great light in heaven. Crystal as jasper. And it's so bright, we can't even imagine the brightness. That's why there'll be no moon and no stars in heaven. We won't need them. Christ is the light. It's so clear, crystal clear there forever. No rainy days or Mondays. <laughs> Amen? So, and heaven's going to be awesome. Now, I'm getting ahead, but anyway, I'm, I just want to, I'm excited about this because it's powerful. It really is. Now, look what Ezekiel saw. He said, I'm caught up into heaven to see these raging whirlwind and all this stuff happening. Now, look what he said. And brightness was all around it, radiating out of its mist like the color of amber out of the mist of the fire. Also, he had a, saw a whirlwind of chariot. And so he's seeing this, and it's re representing heaven, so he's caught up in it. Verse 5. 
Also from within, it came the likeness of the four living creatures. We'll talk about that just in a moment because John saw the same four creatures. Watch this. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. Their legs or their feet were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. Remember that, calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on the four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures, remember the, we talked about the mercy seat? Remember the cherubim, how their wings kind of touched each other on top of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant? All of this is coming together. Watch it. Watch this. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they, when they went. But each one went straight forward wherever God sent them and how God was using these four living creatures. Because I'm going to tell you later on in, in the tribulation, these same four living creatures are involved in the judgment of God. Uh, and we're going to see that. They're angels. They're messengers. They're seraphim. They're cherubim. Okay? Watch. All right. Verse number 10. As, as for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion. On the right side, each of the four had the face of an ox, or you could say a calf, on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Ezekiel saw in the throne room of heaven the same thing that John saw. Ezekiel goes into more definition and more description than John does about the throne room of heaven. That's why you need to read. We'll be looking at the book of Ezekiel all through the study of, uh, of Revelation, as we will Daniel, Zechariah, and even Isaiah and others, because they all talk about it. And so I just wanted you to see these visions that others had about the same thing that John saw, saw here. So that's the purpose of that. Now, we've got to be careful again in what we say. Now, that's on the throne. Number one, I didn't tell you this, but the, I want you to watch the prepositions that John uses. Number one, on the throne. All right? He looked and saw on the throne was one like these, had these four living creatures. And so he looked onto the throne. He's seeing in the throne room of heaven. God's allowing us to look at this in Revelation today and look into the throne room of heaven. So number one is on the throne. Number two, around the throne. What's going on around the throne in the throne room of heaven? Now look in verse three and four. And he who sat there was like a jasper. Now, ladies, you like emeralds and diamonds and stones. You're going to love heaven. You're going to love heaven. I am too, by the way. And he who sat there was like a jasper. That's a clear, greenish, clear stone. And also like a, a sardis stone, which is a red stone. And, and which signifies, by the way, the blood of the lamb. Can I get a witness? Now, watch this. This is awesome. He who sat on there was like a jasper stone and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. Now we're looking around the throne. There was a rainbow in appearance. The rainbow was like an emerald. And by the way, the significance of that rainbow is like an emerald, which is greenish, just bright greenish, but it never ends, which signifies the eternity. God is forever. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so that rainbow is not just like half, it's a full circle. 
of just, can you imagine a rainbow around the throne of God and it's just bright, jasper, clear stone, emerald? Unbelievable, isn't it? It really is. And so we see this authentic description that John gives us. He saw the jasper and he saw the sardis stones. And Ezekiel gives us even more. Now, here's another significant thing. If you do your history in the history of the Jews and in the Hebrew history, they would know that the first stone is a jasper stone, and the last stone is a sardis stone in the ephod or the breastplate of the priest. The priest would wear an ephod, which is kind of like a vest, which had these 12 stones in it. The first one was jasper, and the last one was sardis. And so the Hebrews could relate to this, as they knew about the ephod. They knew about the, the, the breastplate that the high priest would wear. It was beautiful. It was radiant. It's significant of heaven. And see, all through the Old Testament, God uses all the symbols in the Old Testament temple. He uses everything in the Old Testament to bring out the New Testament. And so they're all symbolic, and we're going to talk about a lot of symbolisms in Revelation. But everything has significance. And God's given us insight. He don't give us all the pieces of the puzzle. But by the way, he does give us some pieces so we can read and study and we don't know everything about God. We don't know everything about the Bible. But it, by and by, God reveals things to us. And so as we study Revelation, you've got to realize there will be a lot of symbolism. But these things have very, very significance to every one of those. Okay? And so that's around the throne. We see that. All right? And around the throne, the rainbow and all those kind of things. Now, what else is around the throne? Verse 3, appearance of him. Verse 4. Around the throne, there were 24 thrones. Now, notice this. God's on the throne, all right? And Jesus is on the throne. But around those thrones are 24 other thrones. Now, watch this, verse 4. Around the thrones are 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting on the throne. These elders were clothed in white garments, purity, it's a symbol of purity. They're, these are the ones that have come through, you know, the, the, the trial and tribulations, and they're around the throne. Watch it. And I saw them, 24 elders, sitting, clothed in white, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. 24 thrones, 24 elders, and 24 crowns. Again, they all have significance. The, the throne, the white garments, is, is purity. Again, you and I are going to be clothed in white. When we get to heaven, we're going to have a glorified body, and we're going to wear white. Everybody will be in white. So if you don't like white, you just have to get over it, okay? Because you're going to have it on forever. You're going to have a glorified body. You're going to be dressed in white purity, cleanness. You've been cleansed of all your sin. You have a new body forever. And so these had these white garments, which is a sign of purity. The 24 thrones represent responsibility and status. Now these, and I'll talk about it in a minute, these own the 24 thrones or the 24 elders, which represents responsibility and the status, as we'll look at in a moment. And then the crowns, you know what the crowns represent, don't you? Victory. The Greek word there is Stephanus. It means the crown of victory. And so these 24 elders are clothed in white and by, by the blood of Jesus, the Sardis stone, and they're on the throne, and all of them have crowns on their heads that they can lay 
at the feet of Jesus. Remember that in the scripture? Lay your crowns at the feet of Jesus. So we'll see that. Watch this. I'm telling you, it just gets gooder and gooder. Now, who, who in the world are these 24 elders? That's the question, right? You're asking. Well, who are the 24 elders? Well, let's look at Scripture. Now, watch this. The 24 elders is a symbol of the heavenly delegation. Now, when we all get to heaven, those who are in Christ, those who have received Christ as your personal Savior, those who have been raptured by God as we go through the rapture before the tribulation, we will all have on our, our robes of white, robes of righteousness, robes of purity. And so these 24 elders have the responsibility and the status of all the heavenly delegation. That's one thing I want you to understand. Now, as we look at this, they represent all of uh, the delegation in heaven as we all will be, and it's hard for us to imagine this, but Jesus told his disciples and Jesus tells us that we all will be kings and priests. Jesus was a kingly shepherd, a priestly shepherd out of the order of Melchizedek. You remember that? He was a king. And so unlike any other shepherd, Jesus is a priestly king. And so when we get to heaven, we're going to be kings and priests, if you will, because we're going to join that delegation of the 24 elders, and we're going to rule and reign over planet Earth. You need to understand that. Now, Pastor, where do you, where do you get that at? Well, don't you look in chapter 5. Look in cha- we'll get to this next week, by the way, but look in verse 9 and 10. And John's looking into heaven around the throne room. Look in verse 9, chapter 5. And they sang a new song. What was that song all about? You are worthy to take the scroll, talking about Jesus, and to open its seals. For you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and every tongue, all the people, out of every nation. Now watch verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God. So, we're going to rule and reign with the disciples and with the others and the 24 elders. We're going to rule and reign with the Lord God as he comes back at the second coming. Now understand that. When he comes back again, we're going to come with him as kings and priests, uh, heavenly messengers, if you will, alongside the others. All right? Now, so these uh, 24 elders first represent the redeemed of the heavenly delegation. Now, let's find out some other things in Scripture. The number 24 is twice 12. I learned that at Tanner, all right? 12 and 12 equal 24. Amen. All right, so we have the number 24, but watch something. I want you to watch this in Revelation chapter 21. When you look at Revelation chapter 21, he tells us something about these 24 elders. Now, The new Jerusalem, in chapter 21, the new Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven. The great emerald city, if you will. Not Oz, but heaven. Heaven come down, the new Jerusalem. And so when it comes down, it's going to be an awesome millennial kingdom. We'll talk about that later on as well. But in Revelation chapter 21, in verses 12 through 13, it says there are 12 gates of pearls. Do you remember that? There's three on each side of the, of the east, north gates, east, west, south, and north gates. There's 12 of them. But guess whose names are written on those 12 gates of pearls? You know, you remember that? 
the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob. Now, on those 12 pearl pearly gates are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, or you could say the 12 sons of Jacob. All right? Now, what else? In chapter 21, he talks about the 12 foundations. Now, ladies, this is when, when, you, when we get to chapter 21, you're going to have a spell because heaven's going to be full of emeralds and stones and sardis stones and uh, uh, sapphire, all of them stones. Now, each stone, there's 12, look at this. You can check me out on it, verses 12 through 14, Revelation chapter 21. There's 12 foundational stones. Whose names are on those 12 stones? You remember? The apostles. The Bible says that the apostles' names are written on those 12 stones of the foundations of heaven. And so the 12 sons of Jacob are written on the pearly gate. So 12 and 12 is 24. So really, if you look at it, the 24 elders would be probably the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel, somebody representing each one of those tribes. And so those are the responsibility, the status, if you will, who will be reigning alongside of the throne of God and with all of us around the throne. We'll be around the throne too. And so the 24 elders are representative, I believe, of the 12 sons of Jacob and also the 12 apostles. Because Jesus said, I'm going to give you the power, guys, to sit with me at the throne room of heaven and we're going to judge the nations. Did he not? Did he not tell the disciples that? And so we see these 24 elders who are representative of all of the heavenly delegations. Now, that's on the throne and around the throne. Number three, quickly, from the throne. What happens from the throne? Verse 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, the Bible talks about these seven spirits. It's not seven different spirits, but it's one Holy Spirit. It's representative of twelve different responsi- or seven different responsibilities, like understanding and wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. The Bible talks about spirit of understanding. All of these are wrapped up in the Holy Spirit of God. When he talks about the seven spirits of God, we talked about this earlier when he talked about the churches. He's talking about the one Holy Spirit, the spiritual side, if you will, of the third person of the Trinity. Now, what's happening there from the throne? We see lightnings and and, and, uh, flashings and all of that. This is some of the judgment starting, if you will. This is what's happening when God starts the tribulation in chapter 6, verse 19. There's lightning and thunder is going to be like nothing compared to what's going to happen in the tribulation. But it's going to start out with lightnings and thunderings, shakings, earthquakes, all kind of stuff is going to be poured out. And so when he looked up into heaven, he saw these lightnings and thunderings and those types of things coming from the throne. Now look in Revelation 8, 5. Very quickly, Revelation 8, chapter 5. Watch this. Then the angel took the censer, which is the fire, if you will, filled with the fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. That's just the start of tribulation. Just took the censer and threw it down to planet earth, and boom lightnings and thunderings and earthquakes. By the way, did I tell y'all we won't be here? I won't. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I won't be there. I'm going to be raptured up. Why would I be raptured up and you left behind? Because I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and you refused to do it. And you're going to be left behind. It's as simple as that. 
But it's as profound as that. That's why I beg you after every service to get saved. Except Christ is your personal Savior. Because I'm telling you, your eternity is going, to be temp- is going to be depend upon that. And your condemnation you're going to receive if you're outside of Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Those who are outside of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Condemnation. Tribulation. You can't even imagine. Think about it, because this is very serious. Amen? Amen. So the coming, now, that's, that's from the throne. Number four, we're looking at on the throne, around the throne, from the throne, and before the throne. Verse six, now watch this. We're getting in some stuff, all right? Verse six, before the throne, see all these prepositions that John's using? On, around, from, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. You know, there's going to be streets of gold. Can you imagine? That's just something to imagine. But think about how vast heaven is. It's just going to be all crystal. Crystal, like, like the, the emerald and also like jasper. That's what he's saying. Watch. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. Now, all of this symbolism, you've got to understand, he's using symbolism here, and I'll talk about that later on, why they use symbolism. But before the throne, he sees the seven lamps, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. John's caught up in the Spirit, by the way, as Paul, Ezekiel, and Isaiah were. He's in the Spirit of God. So we're looking into the spiritual realm, right? We can't see in that yet. You and I are physical. We're in a physical world. But one day, we'll be in our spiritual bodies, and we'll be with him. But God's allowed these four men, if you will, including John, to see in the spiritual realm, right? And so he's subscribing to us these things from the spiritual realm of God. And so it's a wondrous glory. Now, number five would simply be in the midst and around the throne. Because he mentions that in verse number six. Not only around the throne, but in the middle of the throne. So number five, if you're taking... Your notes there in the middle of the throne and around the throne were these four living creatures and uh, had eyes in front and eyes in back. You know what that simply means? God sees everything. Now, I tell y'all, He reads your emails. He, by the way, He reads those emails on Facebook. Be careful. Christians shouldn't be condemning others on Facebook. Just a thought. Or text, or Twitter, or whatever. And so, when so and so's doing it, they're going to answer. You got to answer. I got to answer for me, right? I can barely keep up with Dusty. And you can barely keep up with you. So, don't look at everybody else. What are you doing? Can I get a witness? Just a thought here in between. Now, uh, these four living creatures are full of eyes in front and back. In verse number seven, watch number seven. He gives a description of them. Verse seven. Got to close. The first living creature were, was like a lion. Remember Ezekiel gave us these same things? You got to read Ezekiel chapter 1 if you really want to get an insight to this. The first living creature was like a lion. Uh, that, that talks about authority. The lion is the king of the forest, right? So authority. And then the second living creature was like a calf, a domestic creature which represents the creation, if you will. God created all animals and created all of us. The third living creature had a face like a man. It would speak of wisdom. 
the, the, the intelligence that Solomon had of prayed for wisdom, and man has this wisdom that God's given us. By the way, it comes from God. It's not our PhD or whatever. It comes from God. I'm talking about godly wisdom. It was like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Now, it wasn't a war eagle. It wasn't a war eagle. Let me just establish that right now. Now, some of you saying, I beg to differ. <laughs> Amen. Well, we, we can have fun with that. But it's going to be like an eagle. Now, what does an eagle represent? It represents strength. An eagle represents mighty strength. It really does. And so he gives us these four living creatures now, we're going to talk, I can't talk about it much because I'm out of time, but these same creatures are going to be involved in, in, the, involved in the tribulation period. They're messengers of God. These are cherubim. Matter of fact, if you read Isaiah chapter 6, he talks about they are seraphim, and, and which, again, the same thing as a cherubim, which are angels. And they had wings, they had six wings, you know, two and two and two for different functions. And so John gives us, has the same vision. He talks about the cherubims. Now, Ezekiel chapter 1 calls them cherubims. And they're, they're messengers. Both of those, if you look in the Greek text, both of those are symbolic of messengers of God. They're doing God's bidding. They're doing God's work, if you will. So all through the tribulation, you're going to see these four living creatures involved in God's work. So they're, they're messengers of God. These aren't bad uh, uh, angels. These are the good ones. And they're, they're doing God's bidding. And so as we look at these, we look at the faces and see who they are. Again, you just need to read Isaiah and read Ezekiel to get a further insight. Okay? Now, verse number 8. <clears throat> Watch this. Verse number 8. The four living creatures, each had six wings, which were full of eyes. Again, that's the spiritual connotation of God. God sees all things from his spirit. And so in the spiritual realm, God sees everything. He's omniscient. He's all, he's all powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He sees everything. They're full of eyes around and within. And they did not rest day and night. Now think about this. These four living creatures never slept. They never slept. They never rested because they're angels but they're doing God's biddings, and they're always focused. And we talked about it earlier in the verse. It says they were centrally focused. And so these are the eyes of God. They represent the eyes of God, the Spirit of God. They're all-knowing, and they see everything. And so when God says, here, 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 they're there. And so you just need to understand that about the four living creatures. They represent the strength, the wisdom uh, the, the domestic creation, all of these things, but they're really messengers of God. They're cherubim and seraphim. They're angels of God who did messengers that do his bidding. And so God rules creation from his throne. By the way, he's doing that right now. God's in control of all of creation, and he's ruling it from his throne. There's going to come a day when he says, all right, my son, get to church, and we're going to be raptured up, meet him up in the air, Right? And then we'll, ha we'll be in our uh, glorified bodies when we're raptured up. All right, let me give you number six. So this is, I'm going to close with this one. This is very important. Praise from the throne of God. Praise from the throne of God. Watch this. I love this. Dwayne, you're going to like this. What were these four living creatures also doing? They were doing God's bidding, right? But they're also involved in the worship in heaven. Now, if you don't like to worship, 
I don't know how this is going to work for you because you're not, there's not going to be any sadness in heaven, no tears. But if you say, I just can't stand to worship, I don't know how heaven's going to work for you. I just really don't. I can't understand that because you know what? You're going to like it. <laughs> you're going to like it. Now, notice what these four living creatures are doing. Look in verse number 8. And day and night, Dwayne, day and night, they did not rest, and they were saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. I've heard a song that Greater Joy sings, and we sing, it's the Revelation song. Those are the words, some of the words of that song. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. All creation I sing, praise to the King. You are my everything, and I adore you. Wow. I just wish we could sing it right now. Greater joy, are you all ready? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right, Dwayne's going, oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Dwayne. All right. But I wish I'd gotten with Dwayne. I've been gone. If I had, we would be singing this song right now. I promise you. But anyway, we don't have time right now. We may sing it next Sunday. Can I get a witness? Anyway, look at it. Watch what's happening. They're singing this song day and night, all the time. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor to God, and thanks be to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, guess what these high, extinguished 24 elders on the throne did? They got up. They got on their knees. They took the crowns off of their head, and they laid them at the feet of Jesus. And they joined in that heavenly choir, and they were singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. All creation sings, He is my everything. Can you imagine that going on in heaven and you're being a part of that? It's just good right here when we sing it. But can you imagine the 24 elders bowing down to Jesus, taking their crowns off of their head and laying them at the feet of Jesus. You'll take your crowns off that you have when we get to the tribulation and we receive our crowns. We'll just take them and give them to Jesus. Because, by the way, he's earned them. He's earned them. There's going to be praise in heaven. Here's a great truth in your outline, verse 11. Watch verse 10. I told you, but I'm going to read it. The 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and they worshiped him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne. And here's what they said. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Wow. Worship in heaven. Praise in heaven. That's why I get excited when we worship. I love praising the Lord. I really do. I just love the praising. And because uh, I'm, I'm getting a head start on you, all right? I'm going to be praising him in heaven. Now, let me close with this. Here's the a, here's a truth in your outline. To worship means to ascribe worth. You know what that word worship means? To ascribe worth. Jesus is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. And so... In Revelation chapter 4, guess who's on the throne? Father God. By the way, God, happy Father's Day. 
Amen? You say, well, my heavenly father's like my dad's in heaven. Well, my dad's in heaven, but God's in heaven too. So happy Father's Day to both of you. Earthly Father and my heavenly Father. I'm going to praise the Lord forever and ever and ever. And on dads, I want to ask you this question as I close, dads. Listen very carefully. This is Father's Day. We recognize dad. If you're married, you have your wife. If you're a father, have children or grandchildren, you're a father. Now, you have a great responsibility. You're the spiritual leader of that home. It's supposed to be. Are you? Are you living for Christ? You know what would be great today, Mark? If we had a lot of dads saved here today. If we had some dads that let go of their pride and just say, Listen, it's my time to get right with God. I read Pastor Dusty's book. I know how he did it. God moved on him. I had to go to the rock bottom of my life to get there. You don't have to go there. You can get right with God right now, today. Become the husband and the father that God intends for you to be, Dad. I'm challenging you, Dad. If you've never met Jesus, you need to come up here and get right today. You just really do. And by the way, wife, if you're not right, you need to follow. Or maybe you need to lead. Or you just need to do what you need to do. And young people, you're the same way. We're all accountable to God. Father, would you move in this invitation? Lord, this is Father's Day, and I just pray for some dads to be saved today, Lord, for some young people, some wives, some women, men, doesn't matter, just people being saved. But, Lord, it's Father's Day. It would be great for a dad to get saved today. And maybe some of them, you've been working in their heart, and they say, well, today is my day. I've been putting it off. I've been suppressing the Spirit of God. And today, God's dealing with my heart. And I'm hearing loud and clear, come to me, Jesus says, come unto me. And so, Lord, I'm praying for this invitation. I also pray for those that need a church family. Some moved into the area. They've been praying about this church, being their home. They need to come. Just come down the aisle, take our pastors and say, hey, we want to join the church. Or you want to come and pray. Maybe you need to get your baptism in order. Whatever it is, just do it for the cause of Christ and for the sake of Jesus. Father, would you do what no man can do? Draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand, will you stand with us? Wayne's going to lead us. Let's sing together. Come on right now. Give him your heart. Give him your life.